Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, if you haven't been welcomed already, which I know you already have, welcome again. I'm Pastor Brandon. Welcome to those of you who may be watching from home tonight. Um, We're going to be doing communion at the end of my sermon. And so those of you that are at home, if you didn't come by the office to get a uh, a cup of juice and a wafer, um, a cracker and juice at home will do. So you can join in with us. And if you didn't come to get a candle for the candlelight uh, portion of our service tonight at home, you can hopefully grab a candle that you have at home and join in with us there. Um, Again, what a year. It's been a crazy year. And as I've been saying throughout this whole year, when we came into 2020, we came into 2020 with this theme as a church. We feel that God's given us a theme and we want to go through uh, a theme each year. And the theme God gave us this year was joy. And I find it interesting that when God gives you something uh, and expects you to step into it, he also challenges you to see if you're really going to embrace it. This year has been one of those years where it's been tough to find joy amidst all the crises that we've experienced this year. Uh, Many of you have maybe lost a loved one. Or you've gone through a job loss or a demotion or you've been laid off or you may have gotten COVID and have been really kicked by it. Or you may know somebody who has and succumbed to, you know, the, the ultimate uh, disease that is death. And um, the first word that you think of is probably not joy. And so we come to the end of this year celebrating the birth of Christ And understanding that one of the songs we sing for this season is joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But one of the things we also notice is that when we sing that, there wasn't a ton of joy that actually encircled the life of Christ. He was God in the flesh. We do know that. He came to earth took on human flesh, and he walked, and he did, and he lived the way you and I do, with that exception that he didn't sin. The interesting thing about Jesus' life is there wasn't any any pomposity about it. There wasn't any regality about it. He was just a regular guy, or so we thought. He didn't look any different than the regular Jewish male of his day. He didn't have really anything about him that would make the world go, oh, check him out, at least in his day and age. He didn't. And he was born in a really obscure town, Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not a large town. Bethlehem actually was a very small town, actually a small village. Consider some of the small towns and villages around here. They come to the big metropolis of Butler to do grocery shopping, right? So Bethlehem was much like some of those outlying rural areas 
Now, Bethlehem wasn't far from Jerusalem, maybe a couple miles or so. But in Jerusalem is where the world stage would unfold for Jesus' life. As we come into this conclusion of this theme of joy, looking at the birth of Christ, we see the birth of Christ is the incarnation of joy everlasting. That was not just the purpose or the reason for his coming, but it was to usher in this hope of salvation for eternal life for all who would believe in him. But it was a struggle. Jesus didn't have it easy. The paths he walked were difficult. He had people tripping him up, or at least trying to along the way, trying to catch him at every little step in a word he said, in a way he acted, to try to get some dirt on him. Now, that doesn't happen today. <laughs> Nobody looks for any kind of thing within you or in me to try to find out, well, they're not perfect, do they? I'm guessing not. No, nobody, nobody ever thinks of the pastor and says, oh, he's such a great guy. And he never says, I know I say a lot of stuff, and I've got a lot of people that tell me when I say a lot of stuff, so I hear it. But the interesting thing is, I know that I fail. He's one who didn't. In every single thing he did, everything he said, every action he made was perfect. And so all that the religious leaders could do in Jesus' day and age was to get him on trumped up charges that were falsified. Again, that kind of stuff doesn't happen today. But imagine, if you will, there's a guy that you just don't like. And you're trying to get something, some kind of dirt on them. So you could plaster it on the front of the news, on the TV or the front of the paper. They were constantly trying to do that to Jesus. Even when he was born. King Herod was so threatened by the word of the Magi who came within the first couple of years of his birth because they'd seen this star and they had come to this location following the path of this star and they come upon the birth scene of Christ, but not until they'd stopped by Herod, who was king over this region. He thought, they thought for sure King Herod would know. I mean, he's the ruler in the area. He knows everything about what's going on in his territory. Surely he would know where this new Christ child or this king was to be born. And so the Magi go to him first. And he says, oh, no, 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 I never heard about this because he hadn't. And secondly, he says, well, once you find him, let me know. Let me know about this, this baby so I too can go and honor him. You have to be a little bit of a student of history, not of the Bible, but of history in order to find out how corrupt and crooked King Herod was. King Herod the Great. He was all about King Herod. He was all about himself. One of the things I know about rulers that are all about themselves is that eventually that becomes their greatest downfall. 
Sure, they may make a scene on the grand stage of human history, but what they leave behind as a legacy isn't always befitting of a king or an emperor. So King Herod killed off his sons, some of his wives. He was a brutal guy. He wasn't wanting to go worship this new Christ child that the Magi had come so far to see. He was wanting to kill him. There's no competition going to rise up and overthrow King Herod. So the Magi went back a different way because they had been warned. And Herod never knew. But he found out through the grapevine that they went through they went to Bethlehem. And we know an angel came to Mary and Joseph, you gotta flee. And they fled to Egypt. And Herod came into this little small village and massacred the little boys under the age of two. Why did God come to the earth when he did? Why was Jesus born? See, we celebrate this season as the greatest gift the world has ever been given in Bethlehem. But his birth is nothing if we don't consider his life, his death, and his resurrection. We can celebrate his birth till we're blue in the face. But unless we understand the reason for his birth, this season makes no difference to any Christian or anybody for that matter. Which is why I think it's become so secularized, let's be honest. Christmas is so secularized, so consumeristic, that it's become about something other than what Christ really came for. He was born laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. The smell of cattle and sheep, not great. I mean, this is a a place where God decided to come? In this place, why wasn't he born in a palace? Why wasn't he born? (laughs) They didn't really have hospitals in those days, but why wasn't he born in a cleaner place than he was? Really wasn't hygienic. When you think of a manger scene and a feeding trough, animals were unclean. You had to go through a ritualistic cleansing process if you were a Jew and you'd gotten the filth of stinky animals who had dung on their fur or wool and the baby was laid in a place where sheep saliva and cow saliva drooled all over. I I just want you to put yourself in there because we so fantasize about this, the beauty of this scene as the picture behind me seems to show. It's regal, it's elegant, but it's, it's really not. I want you to realize something if you haven't yet, which I'm guessing you probably have, but what does it tell you about the nature of the Almighty God, the character, the personhood 
of the almighty God that says, this is the way I'm coming to the earth. I'm going to come through a lady who is probably about 14 or 15 years old that nobody knows anything about except her immediate family. She's not famous. She wouldn't even register on the Richter scale of humanity had it not been for the angel Gabriel come and said, you've found favor with God and you're going to bear a son. He will be conceived by the Holy Spirit and not by man. See, why do I believe in God? Why am I a preacher of the word? Why have I dedicated my life to this? Because this story is not something you would make up if God is your hero and this is what he does. Now we expect it, and that's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day and age thought. They expected he was going to come as a royal king with an army that he was going to come in all royalty I mean that's what they expected you see the Jews revered God so much they wouldn't even utter his holy name Yahweh the name given at the burning bush to Moses where God is the one who gives his name to Moses and says this is my name I am that I am they revered God as almighty and sovereign, so much he wouldn't utter his name. But when he comes in the form of a man that we know as Jesus, John tells us in his gospel, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. We did not recognize him, John says. The very first chapter of the gospel of John. We didn't recognize him. And when it says we, we being humanity, of course, we have the benefit of having hindsight being 2020. We can look back over human history because we now have what they didn't have, and that's the New Testament and the Gospels. They had the living, breathing Gospel. The problem is, in our day and age, we have the written Gospel and the living, breathing Gospel, and people still reject it. He's real. He's true. And no, he's not that baby in a manger. Rather, he is the Savior who is risen. And because of that, we can have joy because joy was incarnate in a baby who grew to be a man who lived perfectly and did what we couldn't do and died a death as punishment for our sin. And then through God, or through Christ, the Almighty God offers us the best gift that you could ever receive. It's not a million dollars, a billion dollars, or nine billion dollars in stimulus. Guess what it is? Salvation for life eternal through Christ. Do you know what he expects from you? To receive it. A gift is only as good as whether or not it's received. Do you ever get gifts that you're like, oh, the thought's great? <laughs> or have you ever gotten a gift and you didn't open it because of who it was from? And you just stored it in a closet or just threw it away? 
because you were angry at the person. You see, when Jesus came, he was a gift wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was a gift in a manger of all places. It wasn't all dolled up and pretty. Actually, it was dirty. And because it didn't come wrapped in in a bow or royalty, it was rejected by many. And the sad truth is still rejected by many because it doesn't look like what we expect. But here's what a lot of people forfeit when they reject the gift of God through Jesus Christ. They reject the offering of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. They reject the offer of peace that passes understanding. They reject an offer of love that is so unconditional that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do, what you look like, what you smell like, how you act. He loves you regardless. But he loves you enough not to leave you where you are. You see, that baby could have stayed in a manger, grown up in a stable, and stayed there for the rest of his life. But in order to fulfill the Father's will for his life, he got out of there. He grew up in wisdom and stature. He didn't stay stuck. You see, God was on a mission, and his mission was you, and it was me. And you have a choice. Receive that free gift of salvation and love and joy and peace or reject it. See, he doesn't force himself on anyone. That's what love's all about. True love does not force itself on anyone. It offers with the hope of a positive reception, but knows that others may reject it. It's heartbreaking. Peter tells us God's, not, God's will isn't that anyone perish, but that all receive eternal life. That all come to this place of repentance, but he knows that there are some that won't. This is why at the Last Supper, when Jesus is doing the Passover meal with his disciples, and he takes the bread and he breaks it, gives thanks, and he says, take and eat, this is my body. He gave new meaning to the body, or to the bread, the unleavened bread. Unleavened meaning without sin. And when you take the yeast out, the yeast represented the sin in the Passover meal. And so they went through this meticulous process weeks before Passover to get the yeast out of the house so that when they made the bread, it was unleavened and there was no leaven anywhere in the house. And Jesus takes that bread and he says, guys, look. This is my body. That's a bold statement. 
He's saying, I have zero sin in my life. And of all people, he was the only one that could make that statement with full security and assurance. And that night, he took the cup. And this is the significant thing he said. And it had to be with a tinge of sorrow in his heart because he says, take and drink. This is the cup, uh, the blood of the new covenant poured out for the sins of many. Why didn't he say all? You can parse the words in Greek or in the Septuagint and the earliest manuscripts. It still says many. And it's not that he didn't die for all, but it's that not all would receive him. So why is that the blood of the new covenant offered for the sins of many? Because he knew that there would be those who would reject him and forfeit that kind of grace. So tonight, as we conclude... You have a choice. And maybe you received the gift a long time ago. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're here not by happenstance. Maybe this is tradition for you. But you came in, you got a cup like this. It's got a wafer in the very top, little plastic that you peel back to get the wafer. It is not tasty at all. Just saying. <laughs> And then you peel off the lid to get to the juice. I'm going to have you hold on to those. We're going to partake of this in just a moment. But here's, here's the, the, the action on your part. The action on your part is that when you take the communion cup and the wafer, and I've said this before, you're in essence drinking, your drinking of this cup and eating of this wafer is saying your I do to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of this imagery of bride and bridegroom in the New Testament. Jesus is the bridegroom, and his church, the body of Christ, is the bride. You and I, the believers in Christ, are the bride. And he wants you to say, I do. So think of that when we partake of this in just a moment. As our instrumentalist comes, I'm going to have you do a time of reflection. Those of you at home, again, as you prepare your hearts for this, do a time of reflection while the song plays so that we can partake together in just a moment. And consider the commitment by which you say, I do, to Christ in the offering of the free gift of salvation that he gives to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And help us not to see him as our get-out-of-jail-free card, but rather as our Savior. Forgive us where we fall short. We repent not only as individuals, but as the body of Christ. As the North Main Street Church of God, it never hurts to repent of our sins. Forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us clean and our sins as white as snow. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.